Between lightning and thunder, three seconds the gap. A warm candle glow keeps this wood room from black. My cat, she sleeps on an old clippy mat, purring out echoes of faint pitter pat. Hello and welcome to Perennial Porridge Podcast Episode 2. I'm Roger Meacham, your host. You'll gather from my accent that I'm not Scottish. I'm part of the inverse diaspora. What is the inverse diaspora? People who've come from elsewhere to live and work in Scotland. The Perennial Porridge podcasts are stories and poems, both from those native to Scotland and those who, like myself, have come to live here. Wherever you are in the world, you may hear something that speaks to you, not only because Scotland has made connections with every corner of the planet, but also because we, the inverse diaspora, are ourselves from every corner of the planet. What's that? Planets don't have corners. I'll speak to you later. Let's get on. Today's podcast isn't about accents, but about a dialect found in the northeast of Scotland and called Doric. Before we begin, a word of warning. In each podcast, I intend to give you some background information, but also in each podcast, I'll try to slip in a statement that definitely isn't true. Do see if you can spot it. Scotland is bounded on east, north and west by the sea, and to the south, there's England. The border between the two nations is guarded by that famous Glasgow regiment, the Socky Hall 14th Armoured. Scotland is not that big. Let me illustrate. I've lived here for more than 40 years and I've found nowhere in Scotland that's more than a couple of hours cycle ride from the sea. Okay, that's a couple of months by Zimmer frame, of course. But even in a country as small as this, there are distinct dialects. So distinct that if you're visiting from outside Scotland, you might sometimes wish you were carrying a phrase book. In a few moments, you're going to hear Ian Anderson from the Lemon Tree Writers Group read a poem he's written in the Scots dialect of Doric. Ian was brought up speaking Doric, and it wasn't until school that he really began to use standard English. The poem is, in Ian's words, not the purest Doric. He's substituted a few English words for any Doric which doesn't translate too easily. On the poem itself, Ian tells me that he tends to write whatever comes into his head and then keeps on rattling round inside it. This poem is written, he says, more in sorrow than in anger. It uses the style of Wilfred Owen's anthem for doomed youth, but this is Ian's post-Brexit anthem for any from sad shires who doom themselves to narrow-minded thinking. He adds, Poems that go in one ear and out the other are pointless. Poetry should provoke thought and emotion. Well, here's Ian himself. Doric Anthem for Doomed England Fit passing bells for them for voting with cattle, Dean fit the tabloid papers say, for join the high-class racist rabid rabble, to sneer at folk for foreign Scots are gay. Just mockeries for them for laws and deals, 
The Ronnie's soon the morning save the choirs. The blend the minted choirs as wicked fields. For fall a yon pied paper for sad shares. Ne canon song be lit to carry them home. Look yon fit burns for Scotland in the fall. Of freedoms for will nae leave us in the cold. Ne warmth shall win and tear their hearts a stain. Their epitaph, the void, appear team minds. And fan hope fades, the drawn doon the blinds. Let's look at a little of the Doric Ian uses. Fit. This is spelt the same way as fit in Standard English. If you're walking along a street in Aberdeen, a friend might greet you with, fit like? They're not asking, are you fit? They're asking, how are you? Fit means how or what. And then there's fa, spelt F-A. This means who. Ian's first line? Fit passing bells for them for vote with cattle. This just means what passing bells for them who vote like cattle. Now take the second line. Dean fit the tabloid paper say. Double O, the oo sound, often becomes double E in Doric, and the ing ending loses its G. Dean fit the tabloid papers say is therefore doing what the tabloid papers say. Remember, far means who. So Ian's third line. For Jane the high class racist rabbit rabble. This becomes, who joined the high-class racist's rabid rabble? The fourth line is easy. To sneer at folk for foreign Scots are gay. This is, to sneer at folk who are foreign Scots or gay. The first four lines of Ian's poem now read, What passing bells for them who vote like cattle, doing what the tabloid papers say, who join the high-class racist's rabid rabble, to sneer at folk who are foreign, Scots or gay. Let's just take four more lines. Ian? Just mockeries for them, fellas and deals. The Ronnie soon the morning save the choirs. The blend the minted choirs as wicked fields. For fall a yon pied paper for sad shares. The only Doric you won't know there is Lars, which sounds almost the same as the English word laws. And swicket which is a great word. I'll explain it in a few moments. The lines read, Just mockeries for them, for laws and deals, nor any sound of mourning save the choirs, the blind, demented choirs of swicket fools who follow yon pied piper from sad shires. I could go on line by line, but my point here is that Scots isn't that different from English. Not as different from modern English, in my opinion, as Shakespeare. Don't let those differences trip you. Let them startle you and stir you. Back to that word swicket. I love this one. It means cheated. Swicket feels? Cheated fools. You'll all be using that from now on. I can just see it. It'll be all over the streets of Sydney, Hong Kong, Toronto, New York. You'll hear it in all the political debates. Let's just listen to Ian once again, and then move on. Doric Anthem for Doomed England Fit passing bells for them for vote with cattle. Dean fit the tabloid paper say. For Jane the high-class racist rabbit rabble. 
Dis nie rip folk for foreign Scots are gay. Dis mockeries for them for us and deals. The runnies soon the morning save the choirs. The blind demented choirs a swicket fields. For fun a yon pied paper for sad shares. Ne canons son be lit to call them him. Look yon fit buns for Scotland in the fall. O friends for will nae leave us in the cold. Ne warmth shall win into their hearts a stain. Their epitaph, the void, appear team minds. And fan hope fades, the drawn doon the blinds. Thanks, Ian. I'll take three questions. You at the back, yes, you. Remove your mask just for a moment. I can't hear you clearly. Oh, why write in Doric? I guess because it's a living language. Those of us not brought up in Doric can learn it. If you're writing about a character who comes from the northeast of Scotland, you might want them to use it. As with any dialect, you'll have to do your homework. You don't want your character sounding like the fake French policeman in the television series, Allo Allo. Second question? You and the PJs. Doesn't Doric put up a barrier for the reader? Well, this is poetry, and anyone who reads or writes poetry isn't going to be averse to a challenge. Doric is a rich dialect with a long, long history, going back to when Scots was its own language alongside Shakespearean English. What happened? Why is Scots now a minority language? Europe's largest minority language, but still. That's another story, as they say, for another day. But you can hear Doric phrases and words in everyday use in the northeast of Scotland. And at this point, we can divide into two groups. On hearing a new word, do you A, cover your ears and shout loudly until the bad new word goes away? Or B, ask, what is that? What does that mean? Third question. Can you find books written in Scots? Is water wet? Is snow cold? Are Scottish oatcakes for real? I'll tell you about Scottish oatcakes another time. Yes, you can get books written in Scots or translated into Scots. You can even get Harry Potter translated. Go online to the Scots Language Centre website. Or look at the notes for this podcast on the Lemontry Writers website. Ian Anderson recommends his favourite Scottish poet, Charles Murray, who wrote in Doric. Finally, I ask each contributor to tell me a couple of things about Scotland that they would like to share with others. What do you think, Ian? Doric? Yes, Ian, of course, Doric. But anything else? Well, says Ian, how about a visit to Aberdeen and a King's College chapel there? The choir stalls in the chapel have names and dates carved into them by university students going all the way back to the time before Shakespeare. Ian tells me, we are lucky to have that chapel. In the 1560s, a mob of religious reformers was on its way there. The mob intended to reason carefully with the university and cogently express their theories before burning the chapel to the ground. University principal issued counter-arguments to his students. Swords. The students' counter-arguments were sharper than the mob's torches, and the mob was driven away. 
Ian also tells me that there's a monogram of Charles I on the spire on the chapel roof. I, I didn't ask what he was doing up there on the spire. Until the following time, folks. Our next podcast in a fortnight's time is one that could make you rich. Rich beyond your wildest dreams. So best not tell your friends. Did you spot the fake piece of information? Let me know. Go to the Lemon Tree Writers website. It's time to call a halt, so a few end notices. First, a thank you to Ian Anderson. Ian's poetry anthology is The Last Golden Leaf. He writes in Doric, English and French. Details of this collection and other published poems are available through the Lemon Tree Writers website. Our opening theme is from Rain by songwriter Martin Stevenson, and it's sung here by Helen McCookery Book. Again, see our website for details. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. My subconscious and I are back on speaking terms. He's sending me colors and beautiful words, and far, far away are the harsh city folk. I'm surrounded by country. Surrounded by night as the rain pours down on the yard. Rain.